Till Death Do Us Part is a satirical true crime podcast hosted by a dysfunctional married couple who discuss other dysfunctional relationships. If you can't handle that, don't go away mad, just go away. Hello and welcome to the 67th episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. finally gotten out of the heat wave oh it's awesome today i love it oh it's so nice here in central california beautiful 80s oh my gosh it may as well be in the 40s (laughs) compared to 115 or whatever we had week two weeks ago ago. i saw people wearing sweatshirts at the grocery store today i was like hey guys we're not there yet yeah that's just we're getting close yeah that's weird (laughs) how you doing babe i'm awesome how are you yeah doing good i feel like we haven't seen each other much this week We haven't. That's why I'm looking at you lovingly and just wanting to hang out with you. Yeah, all work and no play makes Daniel a dull boy. Well, you know. And you too. (laughs) Am I dull? No, if we don't, if we work and don't ever get to play, right? Yeah. Is this playing? Is this playtime or something else? Um, I'd say it's playing. All right. You know, I have a, um, an older friend who's a gentleman. That sounded weird. I have an... A guy that I work for, that sounded weird too. Anyways, his parents used to call their bedroom the playpen. Oh boy! Yeah, and they'd That's say, okay, "I guess we're gonna go into the playpen." I thought that was cute. Yeah, ours is just where we do laundry. They put the play in foreplay. <laughs> yes, it's not a golf re- <laughs> not a golf reference. For play. <laughs> Hey, Daniel, you got some factoids for me? Do you ever want to leave the Central Valley of California? <laughs> I get so much crap from our friends when I say that we want to leave Bakersfield. So, yes, I do. I would <laughs> like to leave Bakersfield someday. You know, when people say the grass is greener on the other side, every place is greener on the other side than here. Well, as long as you water it. Yeah. But California doesn't have any water, so there we go. Okay, so this is a suggestion from a listener, and that is what my factoids are. So I'm going to go over funny names of towns in the United States. And there are, I saw this. There are so many. I had no idea. We can't possibly go over them all, so I'm going to try and rush through them, and we'll see what happens along the way, okay? <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Uh, she had some good ones, too, the one that's that just randomly suggested it. it was like goober town was one of them well don't, don't give them all away oh was that one of yours okay sorry i don't know all right here we go i'm gonna start off with bacon level alabama <laughs> say that again bacon level alabama bacon level yeah okay because if there's a town named bacon level it has to be in alabama it does it should be bacon lover it should <laughs> loving bacon alabama <laughs> that'd be cute um so i want to move to bat cave north carolina i like it bat Ro- cave robin wa- robin <laughs> i'll meet you in the bat cave okay <laughs> and we could name our kid robin oh my gosh that would have been awesome what else would you do i don't know 
I don't know. I mean, which leads me to my next thing is how about Bigfoot, Texas? Oh, <laughs> we, <laughs> is it North, Northern Texas or Southern um, Texas? I believe it's Central Texas. Oh. It actually was dedicated to a Texas ranger named William Alexander Anderson Bigfoot Wallace. He, he was, must have had big feet. He was very tall. Yeah, he's a big mm, guy. Lucky so wife. He got dedicated. <laughs> he got dedicated, uh, yeah, they dedicated the town to him. So there's oh, that. Oh, that's awesome. What if they changed Bakersfield to MacArthur Field? No. No, that wouldn't happen. No. no. I would go something closer to maybe Booger Hole, West Virginia <laughs> would be more appropriate. <laughs> Booger Hole? I swear, you can't, and I can't make any of these up. No. Uh, Booger Hole, West Virginia. I like it. You can... Feel like you're being really nosy in Booger Hole, I guess. Booger Hole. Booger Why would hole. you name a town Booger Hole unless it's where Booger from um, Revenge of the Nerds? Total, that's what I was just thinking. Yeah. Was he from there and they named him Booger Not at hole? all. No. Okay. But that right. would have been a funny story. I could yeah. just throw that out as a false factoid. Revenge of the Nerds. Awesome movie. Booger. Great character. Boring Oregon. We could move there. They, they say it's a very exciting place to live. Is it? What's it near? I have no idea. Is it near Portland? I'll look it up. I'm sure. Oregon. No, not right now. It actually was named after a Union soldier named William Harrison Boring. That's where that came from. William Harrison Boring. Boring. Yep. That's what they named it after. <sighs> so there's that. Okay. Okay. Moving right along. There is breeding Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Who's breeding in Kentucky? Procreation there is a must and encouraged. However, not doing so well. The population's 280. (laughs) Oh, I wonder if they're all related. Oh, gosh. I hope not. Doesn't Kentucky get a bad rap for stuff like that? Yeah, but they, no, probably. I assume so. It's like. So, if you're tired of breeding Kentucky, mm-hmm. there is Intercourse, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Does it smell like Intercourse? I don't, actually, I don't know if you start off with Intercourse, Pennsylvania and move on to breeding Kentucky. You see? See what I did there, too? Intercourse. 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 Right. That's awesome. And then there's that. Oh, my gosh. Can we move there? I just want to say I'm from Intercourse. <laughs> Absolutely, we can. I was born and raised in intercourse. <laughs> Making oh myself my laugh. It's so awkward. My parents moved to intercourse. <laughs> uh, After they were married. Pennsylvania. Oh, that was cool. Okay, poor Kentucky. How about bug tussle? <laughs> bug tussle. Bug tussle. Kentucky? Bug Kentucky, tuss- yes. Oh Bug, Tussle, Kentucky. Kentucky. Would you like the backstory on that? Yes. Seasonal workers would sleep in stacks of hay that were infested by doodle bugs. <gasps> oh. And the workers complained that the bugs were getting so big and taking up all the space that they actually had to tussle with the <laughs> bugs to just sleep in the hay. So they somehow it stuck and it was called Bug Tussle. But what's the population? I don't know. Oh. I'm guessing it's not a lot. Okay. <laughs> I mean, with bug tussle. Burnout, Alabama. Burnout. Like from a car? Negative. Okay. Comes from Civil War time. Union soldiers were camped out in a church 
and they accidentally like knocked a candle or something over and it started a fire and burned down the church. So when they rebuilt it, they named it Burnout Church, and it stuck, and then they kind of formed the, the little town. So that's where Burnout, Alabama came from. All right. That's cool. That's a good story. Yeah. There's uh, Carefree, Arizona. I think oh. I've, I've heard of that before. That must be where all the snowbirds go, is Yuma and Carefree, Arizona. They're out there. It was actually named that just as a marketing ploy to try and get people to move to that godforsaken part of the U.S. <laughs> um, it is actually home to Southwest Studios, which was where they had the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, or, like he filmed it out there? Yeah, or also known as the Penis Van Lesbian Show. Um, the Orson Welles, the other side of the wind was also there from the same studios. That's at Carefree, Arizona. All right. So that means that Dick Van Dyke lived in Carefree, Arizona for a while? Well, that's where they hosted it. That that was the show. Yeah, that's where the show I filmed believe, at. Yes, I believe he lived there, too. Oh, that's interesting. I actually didn't look anything up about Dick Van Dyke. I like Dick Van Dyke. Or Penis Van Lesbian. <laughs> Sorry. Center of the world, Ohio. Is it the center of the world? Absolutely not. (laughs) Not even close. Has nothing to do with it. Uh, It's founded by Randall. Crap, I can't read what I wrote. (laughs) Because you're left-handed. I was writing with right-handed paper, a (laughs) right-handed pen, and I'm left-handed. You idiot. (laughs) I think I wrote Randall Wilmot. Okay. So that was he that wanted must... it to be the center of commerce, and so he called it center of the world. I don't know. Okay. Center of the world, Ohio. I was thinking it was another marketing ploy. It's a marketing ploy. My favorite place of all, Chicken, Alaska. <laughs> chicken. This is fascinating. It was a gold rush town that was originally named after a bird found in the area that kind of looked like a chicken. Mm. And that bird is called a Petarmigan. <laughs> A pterodactyl. Ptarmigan. But no one could spell it in the town, so they went with chicken. Yeah. Somebody told us that we were effing stupid, so that would probably have been us. We wouldn't have been able to spell the bird, so we would have been like, let's just name it chicken. We know how to spell chicken. I'm going to spell it for you. (laughs) And then you'll understand why they named it chicken. P-T-A-R-M-I-G-A-N. Ptarmigan. Yeah. So they I'd just go went with chicken because the bird looks like a damn chicken. Yeah. So they called it chicken. I'm surprised they didn't do like a dove. There was or... a note, 2010 census, uh, said the pop was seven people. They must all be related too. They do not have electricity, phones, or internet. But during the summer, a whole bunch of gold miner type people rush there and hang out and have fun. It actually does have a post office, a bar, a gift shop, and a cafe. So I'm guessing they okay. all run off generators. I wonder if cruise ships generally stop in that area. I'm Probably going not. with not. Yeah. yeah. All right. How many more you got? 77. No. Let's do two more. Oh, God. I can't choose two. Yes. Two. Save, save them for another time. French Lick, Indiana. <laughs> French Lick. It is right next to French Kiss or Indiana. No, it's not. Do you know a famous person who's from French Lick, Indiana? Wait, let me guess. Kevin Spacey. Close. Larry Bird. Oh. Larry the Bird is from French Lick, Indiana. Larry Bird. Well, his aunt is from Pawnee, Indiana. 
according to Parks and Recreation. Oh, well, that's sort of accurate-ish. <laughs> no. Okay, those of you who like Parks and Recreation, you're totally going to get my joke. One more, Daniel. Do it. One more. All right, I'm going to give you two. No. See, you never listen to me. PP Ohio. <laughs> is it P E E P E? It absolutely is. Yay! Yes, it is. Ohio, P-P-E-Ohio. I like Ohio. I like Ohio. Oh my god. I've never been, but you guys are funny. Yeah. And there is also a Santa Claus Indiana. What? Yes. There's Does a it lot of snow in Indiana. In Indiana? Uh, they can get a dusting. I guess it snows. It snows in Pawnee, Indiana. Okay. That's on the TV show. <laughs> but yes, it does. Okay, I seriously, there's like a hundred of them, so I can't read them all. All right, we'll save them for another time. So folks, bottom line is, if you do want to relocate out of California, <laughs> pick something goofy. Something that's just right up your line of comedy. We don't just have California listeners. No, but I'm talking, <laughs> you talked about wanting, you know, people say I want to move out of California. So it's like, okay, yeah. let's move out of California. Where would you move? Let's move to PP, Ohio. Yeah. We have this mass exodus happening right now. Or someplace called Intercourse. <laughs> You're welcome. Daniel. Melissa. You ready for my case? I am now. All right. This is the case of Daniel and Nancy Crompton Brophy. That is a grand name. It really is, right? On Saturday, June 2nd, 2018, a call came into the Multnomah County 911 call center in Portland, Oregon at 8.24 a.m. The caller was a student at the Oregon Culinary Institute located in southwest Portland. The student and an instructor had walked into their instructional kitchen called Kitchen One and found another instructor, 63-year-old chef instructor Daniel Brophy, lying on his back and unresponsive with a large blood stain coming up through the chest of his chef coat. Oh, boy. Dan's colleague began CPR while the student called 911. But by the time emergency services arrived, Daniel was dead. And it appeared that he had been shot through the chest. Poor Daniel. Portland homicide detectives were on the scene within minutes and began their investigation. Dan had been an instructor at OCI since it had opened in 2006, 12 years before. Part of the curriculum was that on Saturdays, the students would cook for the restaurant attached to the school. They would serve a three-course meal for lunch and a four-course meal for dinner. That sounds like my kind of place. Yeah. I thought that was really a great idea that they would actually cook for people. If I had to go back to school for anything, I think it would be cooking. I think you still should. Because I love cooking. It's the only thing you can do. It's totally relaxing. And then you get to eat what you make. And Sounds if it's good to me. Horrible. Throw it away and start over and do something else, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. It's just my idea. Go ahead. Dan would get to OCI early on Saturday mornings and open the doors. On this Saturday, he deactivated the alarm at 7:22 a.m. He rolled up the big metal door and began preparing for the students. So it was that big metal door that you would grab from the bottom. And pull all the way up and you would 
take deliveries yeah. and things like that. Okay, I just want trying to yeah. I want you to picture it. A roll-up delivery door. Yes. Dan's body was located in front of a big industrial sink with a large ice scoop lying near him. It appeared that Daniel had been filling up an ice water dispenser. Also lying near Dan were two 9mm gun casings. Hmm. During the initial investigation, it was discovered that he had been shot through the back as well, execution style. No warning. So he was shot from the front and the back? Yes. Or no? Yes. He was shot from the back and the front. Mm -hmm. Damn. Okay. I'll tell you right now. The pieces were falling into place. Dan had parked his white truck on the street near the side entrance to the Institute. He unarmed the alarm at 7.22 a.m., pulled up the metal roll-up delivery door and made his way into Kitchen 1 and began filling up the ice water dispenser and preparing to make coffee. He was doing this for his students, by the way. Right. Because he was a really nice guy. Yeah, Dan's the man. Dan had his back turned and someone had walked into the kitchen unnoticed. And while Dan was preoccupied, he was shot in the back. Dan had been shot sometime after 7.22 a.m. and before 8.24 a.m. So there was an hour when this could have happened. Who would have shot Dan? He sounds like a fabulous guy. Yeah, he actually was a really great guy. I know we say this every time, but why is it always the good ones that are getting shot and killed? Or the ones named Daniel. Or the ones named Daniel. Right? I mean, what the hell did the Daniels of the world do wrong? I know. We have had a few Daniels, haven't we? Yeah. Shoot. The first shot did not kill him, though. As he was lying on his back, the assailant walked towards Dan and stood over him and then shot Dan once in the chest. That's what killed him. Gotcha. Yeah. So the initial shot, the one through the back, went through his vertebrae, which then made him drop to the ground. And they believe that he was... Like paralyzed? He was paralyzed. Oh, okay. Yes. Right. And then he's just lying there looking up, and then a person walks in and at close range shoots him right in the chest through the heart. So he was shot from the back, but he fell on his back? Yes, he was shot from the back and then fell backwards onto his back. Huh. So he saw who murdered him. Yeah, which is why they had to kill him. Around 10 a.m., Dan's wife, 67-year-old Nancy, was telephoned at home and told that something had happened at the school and that she needed to get there quickly. The Brophy's living less than 10 minutes away. At 1028, Nancy was given the devastating news that her husband of over 27 years had been shot and killed. Wow. Nancy was heartbroken and just kept saying that, I don't care who shot him. I want him back. I don't want him dead. Finding out who killed him won't bring him back. That was the quote. Interesting. Okay. That was the recorded quote after they told her that Dan had died. I want him not to be dead, but I also don't really care about who killed him. She didn't care who killed him. She just wanted him back. So if someone killed me, you would you would want to find out who did it, right? Well, it would probably be me. So I would be saying the same. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> no, I would want to know because I would do some. Um, I'm sure I, I would have, do my own investigating and then hire someone to murder. That I have person. more enemies <laughs> than just you. Do you? I don't know. I have a screenshot 
of Nancy's Facebook post after learning the news of her husband's death. Okay. I have sad news to relate. My husband and best friend, Chef Dan Brophy, was killed yesterday morning. For those of you who are close to me and feel this deserved a phone call, you are right. But I'm struggling to make sense of everything right now. While I appreciate all of your loving responses, I am overwhelmed. Please save phone calls for a few days until I can function. But she'll still check her Facebook. Yeah, that's odd. I don't think I would be, if I were a widowed spouse, I don't think I would even touch Facebook. No. I would have a friend do that. Oh, yeah. On my behalf. Yeah. On behalf of Nancy Brophy, here's, I mean, her, here's never, a statement. I don't know how to even log into a Facebook because oh, I've God. never had a, a MyFace first, <laughs> my, MySpace face. But the point is, is that, yeah, I don't think I'd even... I wouldn't put out instructions on a Facebook no. about my death struggles. I don't understand people that share Anything. everything. Yeah. Everything. There is a time and a place, maybe not the day after, on Facebook. Just saying, I, you know, no. we don't no. have Facebook or I don't have Facebook. So who cares, right? Yeah. Actually, we will be getting a Facebook for this show. Oh, God. I know. We have to. Okay. Dan and Nancy had met in Oregon circa 1990, 1991. Sure. 40-year-old Nancy had just moved from Texas after her divorce from a police officer. Okay. So she'd been married before. Who cares? Mm -hmm. No, but she's still young and spry. Yeah, she's she's only 40. 40? Not like she's a... Get it, girl. Not like she's a what? She's not a 40-year-old virgin, right? (laughs) No. Okay. (laughs) She didn't have any kids, though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Just wasn't in There's the cards still for her. a chance. She's only 40. Like you. I mean, you're still in your prime for childbirthing. God, no. <laughs> no way. I'd be stepping on my nipples as I walked. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's entertaining, too. <laughs> These saggy baggies, man. They're not working anymore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No one wants this image in their head. They don't know what I look like. No. 36-year-old Chef Dan was an instructor at the Western Culinary Institute, which is now closed, but was renamed Le Cordon Bleu College of Culinary Arts. And Nancy was his student. Oh. Teacher-student relationship. (laughs) Good thing it's not in high school. Right. Mm. It was her very first cooking class in Dan's very first semester as an instructor. Okay. Chef Dan was married and had a young son, so he and Nancy decided to just become good friends. Which I've already pointed out is not possible. Yes, you've said that. Mm -hmm. And many, many people agree with you. Mm -hmm. After graduating from the culinary school, Nancy opened up a catering business called Chef Du Jour Catering in Northwest Portland. Cool. In 1994... Dan divorced his wife. Oh, man. He and Nancy began dating soon after. Dan winning Nancy over with his intelligence and cooking skills. A lot of skills. Mm-hmm. Bow hunting skills. Bow hunting skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. According to Dan's colleagues and students, he was extremely knowledgeable and a passionate teacher. Oh, I bet. He's passionate. Yeah. He loved sharing his love of cooking with anyone who would listen. 
Dan had over four decades of cooking experience and worked under 10 different European chefs over his lifetime. So he started when he was zero? No, I mean, when he died. By the time he died. Oh, when he was dead. Okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. He was also a beekeeper, raised chickens, had a huge garden in he and Nancy's backyard, and was an expert composter. Now, there is a skill you can go out and brag about. Composting? I am an expert composter. (laughs) I just want you guys to know that. When it comes to composting, no one tops my skills. So that means he knows how to mix up old rotting food in soil. Yes, and I believe he would make material out of the compost. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. He also had a degree in marine biology. Cool. This guy. Man, he does it all. I know. One of his favorite pastimes was foraging for food along the Oregon coast and in the forest areas. I like foraging for food at Costco. And sharing his expertise in the finding and preparing of edible fungi. Do you know what a fungi is? Shrooms. (laughs) The mushrooms. 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 Dan would also donate of his time and resources to a local church, feeding hundreds of homeless men and women each and every week. Good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. And I bet it was good food, too. It wasn't like garbage. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Family and friends described Dan as having a very dry sense of humor. And he was a little salty. But when he liked you, he liked you. Sure. And he was all in. When people were describing Dan, they actually were describing you. Oh, gosh. Yes. His one-liners. I do not have a very dry sense of humor. You do. Not even a little bit. (laughs) There's nothing wet about you, darling. Oh. All right. (laughs) You don't think you have a dry sense of humor? Possibly. Yeah. And you're a little salty. Yes. It's hot. (laughs) Sweat a lot. (laughs) So Dan very much reminded me of my Dan. So I have a special place in my heart for Chef Dan Brophy. I hope I don't get shot cooking. Mm. I always thought cooking was a safe endeavor, but I guess not. So did Dan. Oh, well. In 1999, the couple were married, but didn't file the paperwork until June 14th of 2016. They must have forgotten to do it. (laughs) Wait. How do you how do you get married but you don't send in the paperwork? I don't know. Unless they eloped and forgot. Um, Didn't okay. we elope and forget? No. No, you were in charge of it, so it got done, probably. I don't know. I don't remember. It was such a long time ago. I know. I think it was my name. I, I don't remember what I did yesterday, so you you're don't. asking me about I know. 17, 18, 19 years ago? 20. By 1999, Nancy's catering company was grossing over half a million dollars, and Dan was earning around $60,000 a year teaching. Okay. So they were doing really good. Clearly. Until the economic downturn of 2001. Yeah. It really was after 9-11. It happens. It does. Nancy very much blames 9-11. Um, that was bad, but that wasn't the reason. What was the reason? It was a trigger. Usually there's, it's cyclical. You don't really want to talk about this, do you? It's cyclical. There's cycles. (laughs) There's interest rates, money, and all that. It usually takes some event or a couple of events that start a domino effect in a decline. Yeah. 
and it goes very fast. Anyway. After 10 years in the catering business, Nancy sold her company and turned to her real passion, writing mystery romance novels. Oh. Some might refer to these as smut. Sure. But I like to refer to them as marriage savers or bodice rippers. Wait, stop. Take your pick. Did you just say bodice ripper? <laughs> yeah. Does ha, who does anyone use the word bodice anymore? Yes. Since like eighteen eighty, I have heard people say that they like to read bodice rippers. Okay, and I didn't understand what that meant at first, and then once you hit forty and you need a little little push, I have one question only. Ready? <laughs> what if I put into the Amazon's app on my phone right now bodice? Is mm-hmm. something going to come up for sale that is correct? You mean like a bra? A bot? I don't know. What the hell is a bodice? A bodice is like a corset. Okay. Can you buy one on Amazon? Oh, you can buy anything so on Amazon. So that's what I'm saying. That's what I said. If I look up right now, I can actually purchase a bodice from Amazon. Yes. All right. Are you going to wear it? It's not for me. <laughs> Why not? What, what good would it do? Okay. Can I finish, please? Unless your books are published, there is zero money being made. I could see that, yeah. With a degree in economics, Nancy started selling insurance, most notably life insurance. Of course she did. So the punchline to all of the bodice ripping mm-hmm. is she didn't sell any books. Well, in oh. 2013, Nancy self-published the first book in her five-book series called Wrong never felt so right. The first book in the series was titled The Wrong Brother. Oh, my, are you serious? Soon followed by The Wrong Hero, The Wrong Cop, The Wrong Husband, and The Wrong Seal. And I do have to admit that I just finished The Wrong Brother, which was the first one she published. Stop. Are you serious? So and you it was actually, actually reading good. one of this woman's stuff? I did. Yes, oh yes. Right. You're welcome, Daniel. All right. You're welcome. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. No, yeah, I'm sure it had a lot of... But I like the bodice rippers because I'm in my early 40s. All right. Well, we'll Things order... are drying up. We'll order... <laughs> we'll order a bodice from Amazon. And um, if it's in stock, it'll probably be here tomorrow. <laughs> all right, you guys. If you look on Amazon, you will find all of her books. But I want to read the about the author... As well as bodices for sale. (laughs) Yes. This is written by Nancy. I live in the beautiful green and very wet Northwest, married to a chef whose mantra is life is a science project. As a result, there are chickens and turkeys in my backyard, a fabulous vegetable garden, which also grows tobacco for an insecticide and a hot meal on the table every night. For those of you who have longed for this, Let me caution you. The old adage is true. Be careful what you wish for. When the gods are truly angry, they grant us our wishes. Damn. I can't tell you when I fell in love with my husband, but I relate the moment I decided to marry him. I was in the bath. It was a big tub. (laughs) I expected him to join me. And when he was delayed, I called out, Are you coming? His answer convinced me he was Mr. Right. He says, yes, but I'm making hors d'oeuvres. 
Can you imagine spending the rest of your life without a man like that? Nope. <laughs> I can't. Yes. Hors d'oeuvres and a, and a tub? Mm-hmm. Shoot. Friends would tease Dan about Nancy's books, wondering if the love scenes were based on his sexual prowess. Oh, God. He would just tell them to shut up. Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's exactly what would happen if I wrote one of these smutty books. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, oh, is that based on Daniel? They'd look yes, at me and yes, I'd be it like, is. no, nope. <laughs> that is not real. That never happens in real life. All right. A vigil was held for Dan outside of the OCI building a few days later. People spoke about Chef Dan and what a wonderful teacher, friend, and colleague he was. Nancy even speaking about her love for her husband. Hundreds of people came to this vigil. Yeah, they miss his food. And him. And him. All right. Investigators were at a loss as to what could have happened. Was Dan a victim of a robbery gone wrong? No. Nothing had been taken. Dan's watch, car keys, phone, wallet, filled with credit cards and $70 in cash, were still on him. And nothing was taken from the Institute as well. There was lots of alcohol and expensive equipment and tools, but it was all still there. Mm -hmm. So this was not a robbery. Plus, there was no forced entry. But since Dan was opening up the school for the students and instructors, anyone could have walked through the open door or loading area. Anyone could have come in. But who would want to kill a really nice chef? I don't. At a Well, I mean, I do know. (laughs) No, I know. But, you know. Okay, I just, I, I don't him, understand. Yeah, if I were I him, don't understand I wouldn't it. feel uncomfortable about doing that. I'd be like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm good. He's been there for 12 years. Right. He knew every nook and cranny yeah. of that place. Yeah. Could Dan have been murdered as retaliation from a student that he rubbed the wrong way? Hmm. No, because everybody loved him. Even if they didn't love him, they respected him. It's food. How can you have like. People have students rub crazy, the wrong way. but people have crazy opinions about food, just like they have crazy opinions about podcasts. There's a, a are, pe- are you saying people are opinionated? No. <laughs> yes. There's a billion restaurants in this world and a million podcasts to choose from, and people still want to bitch about things. That's true. So that's true. Or could this have been someone closer to home? Was there a motive that investigators just couldn't see? Could this execution have been orchestrated by his wife? No. (laughs) No. But to everyone who knew the couple, the Brophies had a loving and happy marriage. They were opposites in every way, but they got along and were good friends. The couple had even begun talking about selling their home and traveling something Nancy had been wanting to do for years, and retiring. Yeah. They were talking about him retiring. I want to do that next year. That's why it came as such a shock when three months after Dan was killed in September of 2018, Nancy was arrested and charged with his murder. Boom. For investigators, the motive was simple. It all came down to money. What? Are you ready for this? Got your big boy pants on? Nope. I don't have any (laughs) pants on. But go ahead. The Brophies were broke. Nancy was making barely any money with her writing. Wait a minute. I thought she had all this money from her successful catering business. They spent it all. 
Well, they were spenders. You can't spend all your money. I know. Come on. Dan even having to take a second job working in the kitchen of an assisted living facility. Oh, God. Both having numerous life insurance policies on one another. Why would they do that? They might have been behind on bills, but they did make sure to pay those premiums every month. Okay, can I say something real quick? Yes, say I know, it. I'll try not to get long-winded. <laughs> if you want money or retirement, the worst thing to call an investment is a life insurance policy. Yes. Because it is simply something as an emergency for the other person so they can survive without you financially. That's it. It's yes. not supposed to be an inheritance. No. That's not what it's for. So these people that go, oh, I'm... Do you have any retirement? Oh, no, but I have a million-dollar life insurance policy. It's like, well, that's stupid because that's expensive. You'd be better off investing that money and having a retirement than a life insurance policy. I'm done. I'll (laughs) climb down off my soapbox. (laughs) Okay. The payouts from the policies and the over $300,000 of equity in their home, Nancy was looking to inherit almost $1.5 million. There it is. There's that inheritance. What really got the attention of the investigators was a phone call made to them by Nancy. This was just a few days after Dan had died. She asked them if they wouldn't mind writing a letter to one of the policyholders stating that she was not a suspect in her husband's murder. Stupid. They would not release the funds without it. And this particular policy was only worth $40,000. Investigators were shocked and told her no. That had never been asked of them before. What an idiot. Their radar went up. Heck yeah. Yeah. If she hadn't have done that, they probably wouldn't have had anything really. I could see the guy hanging up the phone, turning around, going, hey guys, guys, yeah, stop everything you're doing. We only have one spe- suspect now. Focus on her. <laughs> well, I heard the phone call. They have a recording of the phone call and you can hear him start kind of laughing but it wasn't like a funny laugh it was like he was super like he's so surprised he was surprised and uncomfortable yeah because it finally dawned on him oh my gosh we have a suspect of course he does yeah it's always the wife all right so i'm going to go over the evidence according to the investigators and the prosecution so we're jumping right into the evidence you guys let's do it this is in 2018 which is not that long ago. No. So I bet all you smart true crime listeners are wondering, Melissa, where is the CCTV footage? Where are the cameras? Okay. Were you wondering that, Daniel? Okay, woman. What? Where's all the cameras? (laughs) This is 2018. They should have film of everything, right? There weren't any. Of course not. There were none in the school nor outside the building. But the Culinary Institute was located on a busy street with lots of businesses and restaurants that had video cameras. A pizza joint was across the street from OCI and happened to have a camera pointed towards the big windows that looked out over the street. And this was located directly across the street from OCI. Okay. So you could not see the OCI building, but you could see the street. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Investigators began combing through the recordings around the time of the murder. The footage was relatively uneventful till a gray Toyota van came into frame 
at 7.08 a.m. Guess who drives a gray Toyota van? Dan the man? No. No. Well, wasn't he there early? He was, but he drove a white pickup truck. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, His wife? (laughs) Nancy. Oh, God. Nancy drove a gray Toyota van is what they were calling it, but Toyota really only makes one van, and and it's a Sienna. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. So it's a gray Sienna. Back in 2018. Mm Mm-hmm. What investigators found suspicious was the large gash below the fuel door that was clearly visible in the video. Gotcha. You know, the door that you open to put your yeah, gas in? Yep. Yeah, there was a large gash underneath that. Okay. Guess who else had a large gash below the fuel door on their gray Toyota Sienna? I'm assuming his wife's gray Toyota Sienna van. Yes, Nancy. Mm-hmm. You're turning into such a great investigator, Daniel. I'm, I'm really proud of you. Feeding back to what feeding <laughs> you back what you're feeding to me. I'm and regurgitating back. Like a bird. Yes. Investigators started combing through other businesses and street footage and found the same van driving into the area around the school at 6.39 a.m. Now, remember, Dan didn't disarm the alarm until 7.22 a.m. Okay. Then the van drove past the pizza place in front of OCI at 7.08 a.m. Dan's pickup truck is then seen turning onto the side street where the side entrance was located at 7.20 a.m. The same gray van passing by a Starbucks going away from OCI at 7.29 a.m. Oh, boy. Could this all be a coincidence? How many gray Toyota vans are in Portland with the same large gash under the fuel door? I'm guessing not too many. I wouldn't think so. No. It's not like a defective gash. No. On the van. Oh, you got one of those vans with the gash in it? <laughs> Nancy told investigators that Dan had left that morning between 7.05 and 7.10. She was still in bed, not leaving until the phone call she received from the school around 10 a.m. Liar. So she's saying she was at home. Nancy was very forthcoming with the fact that she and Dan did own a gun that they had purchased at a gun show in February of 2018, a Glock 17 Generation 4 9mm handgun. Nice. She nor Dan were very comfortable with having a gun in the house, so they never purchased ammunition. The Glock was analyzed and determined that it had never been fired. Okay. Hmm. They bought a Glock, which is kind of very specific. It's yes. also a typical handgun for law enforcement because mm-hmm. it's a really good, reliable gun. But why the hell did you buy a gun and not put bullets in it? Not buy any ammunition? It's pointless. What, yes. are they going to throw it at somebody? It was kind of bought as a emotional purchase okay? because a school shooting had just happened. And so Dan, being a teacher in a facility, it very much... Put them on edge. So buy bullets for it. But the gun was made as an emotional purchase at that time. According to Google searches found on a laptop that was found in Nancy's closet, someone had searched ghost guns on December 19th, 2017. Okay. Where ultimately a purchase had been made of a Glock 19 
9mm ghost gun kit. Okay. Nancy said she had forgotten about that purchase, and the pieces were located at a storage unit rented by Nancy. The only fully intact component of the gun was the slide and barrel. But a slide and barrel from a Glock 19 will not fit on a Glock 17. No. Another search of the laptop's history showed a Google search titled Glock 17 Slide for Sale. The search was made on February 19, 2018, only two days after the gun was purchased at the gun show. On February 20th, someone bid on a Glock 17 slide and barrel on eBay and won the auction on the 23rd. The eBay account was deleted a couple days before Dan was murdered. Oh, boy. Is Is that making sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this laptop was found in her closet in a box. Hmm. You know, we have laptops lying around here. We do. That's kind of what I'm feeling this one was. They just found a dusty laptop. Just a dusty laptop that they were able to get into and found all this good stuff. Damn it. Investigators believe that Nancy talked Dan into purchasing the Glock 17 at the gun show as protection, using the recent Parkland school shooting as her reasoning why. Okay. She then removed the original slide and barrel, replacing it with the slide and barrel purchased on eBay. Shot and killed Dan, then replaced the eBay slide and barrel with the original Glock 17s. Then discarding the eBay purchase slide and barrel into one of the many bodies of water in Oregon. That actually was pretty smart. Wasn't it though? I can't think of a single case where someone's done something like that, which actually took a lot of thought. Yes. And she was a suspense writer. So she did a lot of research on cases for her books. Yeah, that's kind of a good idea, as sad as that sounds. I know. They believe that Nancy knew that each slide and barrel would leave different markings on the 9mm casings. Correct. And that she could prove that the original Glock had never been fired since the slide and barrel were not on the gun when fired. So there's no evidence. Um, Isn't that freaking brilliant? Kind of is. Woo! Another person that's smarter than us. Oh, gosh. So many. (laughs) One more thing was found on that laptop. An essay found on a blog titled How to Murder Your Husband, written by Nancy Brophy, published in November of 2011. Interesting. Before we chose the name Till Death Do Us Part for our podcast, our original name was How to Murder Your Husband. Do you remember this? Yeah, I think there it is. Was a, years isn't, ago. Isn't there a podcast called How to Murder Your Husband? No, it's um, it's always the husband. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, there seems like there's you can yeah. think of it. There's a podcast for it. <laughs> That's right? true. Yeah, but the name of our podcast was going to be How to Murder Your Husband. Right. But then everyone would look at you as suspicious. They already do. Oh, all right. Yeah. So this was written and published in November of 2011. Okay. So So it was a while ago. She was already thinking about it. The essay gave different reasons as to why someone would want to murder their spouse. I did read little excerpts from the essay, and I actually thought it was really funny. It was filled with dark humor and lots of sarcasm. Something I would probably write, honestly. I have a little excerpt of it. Sure. As a romantic suspense writer, I spend a lot of time thinking about murder and consequently about police procedure. After all, if the murder is supposed to set me free, 
I certainly don't want to spend any time in jail. And let me say clearly for the record, I don't like jumpsuits, and orange isn't my color. (laughs) She also talked about the certain weapons that are used to kill your spouse. Huh? Guns, she said, were too loud and messy and require some skill. Knives were really personal and close up. Blood everywhere. Ew. A lot of blood. She actually wrote ew. Ew. E-W-W. Mm-hmm. Nancy had also written a piece titled How to Cover Up a Murder and When Marriage Fails Us. Also very helpful <laughs> things to read, yeah. Yeah. The case against Nancy Brophy finally went to trial in February of 2022. Oh, wowzers. Almost four years after Dan's murder. She was now 71 years old and kept being postponed because of COVID. Well. Because she was old. You don't want her to get COVID. The prosecution came out with all the evidence gathered by the investigators. The insurance payouts, pointing out that in 2017, the Brophys were living month to month and that Nancy had paid over $16,000 in insurance premiums while falling almost $6,000 behind in their mortgage payments. What? Nancy had also spent over $1,500 on a gun and firearm components in just a two-month period. So they're living paycheck to paycheck and yet spending all this money on the premiums and all this money on gun stuff and not paying their mortgage. Okay, wouldn't you drop the insurance premiums in order to not lose your house? Absolutely. I mean, if you're alive, I would think the mortgage payment would be more important than an insurance payment but well, whatever it's absolutely but that's really great evidence as it to is, where yeah, her mind was during very this time suspicious the gray toyota van fitting the description of nancy's van and the timeline of events mm-hmm. the extra gun parts purchased from the google searches on a laptop found in a closet the state believes that Nancy left the home before Dan at around 6.30 a.m. She drove around the area near the school looking for a good vantage point. Nancy then watched and waited for Dan to arrive at OCI. She followed him into the building, shot him, shot him again, and then left, leaving the 9 millimeter shells behind. Since the van was seen leaving the area at 7.29, That gave this middle-aged woman with diabetes and an unfortunate body type less than six minutes to carry out the murder of her husband. I bring that up because if she was so smart to do all of this with a gun with a slide and barrel, why in the world would she leave the nine millimeter shells lying around? To throw them off. Okay. I don't know. But But they owned a Glock, a nine millimeter Glock. They would, uh, yeah, I mean, if they recover the actual bullet, then they'd know it was shot from a 9 millimeter. No, but they have the casings, and the bullet is inside of him. No, what I'm saying is even if she took the casings with her, they would eventually retrieve the bullet or bullets. No, that's true. And then they would know exactly what that was. Right. And they never found ammunition or a purchase of ammunition either. Yeah. And like I said, she was kind of, frumpy and chunky she had diabetes Mm -hmm. her husband fed her constantly she had a sedentary lifestyle she was a a novelist do you think he was a feeder 
No, he wasn't a feeder. He just that's how he showed his love for people was okay. by feeding them. That doesn't just that doesn't make you a feeder. Um, okay. That's your passion. Yeah. Some guys really get off on feeding women. Yeah. It's actually disturbingly fascinating. So anyways. Okay. Anyways. So she's. So uh, she had six minutes. UBT. Yes. She had six minutes to do this. And I'm going to show you. And I will post this on Instagram for all of you. This is the layout of the school. So you can see how far someone has to travel to get to Kitchen One. And just imagine this this short little kind of gnome looking woman <laughs> getting okay watch getting out of her car going through this door right here all the way down to the back of the school which is right here kitchen one and then going through there to shoot him and then waddling back out oh gosh. to her car in six minutes okay answer me this riddle me this would she do well at Disneyland. No, she would need one of those she would, little okay. carts. She'd need a scooter. Yeah. Right. And I noticed during the trial, she wore earbuds that helped her hear. Like hearing aids? No, they weren't hearing aids, but they were these earbud things so that she could hear better. Oh, okay. Okay. So she's walking in this area to shoot her husband and she looks like a gnome and she can't hear. And she's going to do all of this in six minutes? That's pretty fast. Okay, I'm just kind of taking the other side. Yeah. Just to kind of show that there's two sides to every story. Yeah. That's what caught my attention. That's very quick. Especially very you're quick. describing her. She doesn't sound like she does anything quickly. No, she's very sedentary. Yeah. She's no, no neck of the north, right? <laughs> That's just your new favorite line. <laughs> head, shoulders. All right. So that room, the kitchen one, was located towards the back of the school. Okay. So it wasn't right next to the door. Bit of a jog for her. <laughs> Bit of a jog. Okay. After 11 days and 47 witnesses, the prosecution rested. 47 witnesses? It was now the defense's turn. They called up to the stand a financial expert who testified that the Brophies were straining out their finances and were well on their way to getting out of debt. They had cashed in a 401k, a $30,000 401k. They cashed in a 401k, but not all these life insurance policies. Yeah. All right. An insurance salesman testified that the Brophies were adequately insured and were not under or overly insured. Completely normal. No red flags. They were not overly insured. That's true. I would agree with that. The defense also blamed the murder on a possible homeless man who had been seen picking up cans around the school. He had also been recorded on CCTV and has never been identified. Do you want me to explain why it absolutely was not him? Yes, absolutely. If you have something in your hand, meaning a gun, especially if it's not traceable, that's probably worth $500. Mm. You would not be picking up cans if you're holding something worth $500. Ding, ding, you just ding, wouldn't. dude. That's why actually the homeless people, or as I call them, the feral indigents, <laughs> they're usually not that dangerous because they don't have anything. Because if they did, they would trade it in for money and buy heroin or meth. Here, it's a lot of heroin and other things. Hmm. Because they can. Because you can get, unfortunately, right now, you can get a... Basically, heroin, street heroin for like 10 bucks. 
Wow. It's garbage. But that's, I've had law enforcement tell me that. That's about the going rate. So it's super cheap. So they can get high for very little. So when you give these people a few bucks, the, they're, that might be all they needed to get just enough to run off and get a hit. So this homeless guy collecting cans would He's, not have no. a $500 gun in his pocket no way. and go into a cooking school nope. to rob someone and then leave everything. Zero percent chance right. of that. No, that makes sense. On day 20 of the trial, Nancy got up on the stand to tell her story. She talked about how they had gotten their finances back on track after cashing in on Dan's 401k, like I had said, and were looking to retire and sell the home they had shared for 22 years. Hmm. Nancy told the jury that she had purchased the ghost gun as research for a book she was thinking about writing. Where an abused wife purchases parts of guns to create her own gun for protection. She had gotten the idea from an article she had read about a father who killed his entire family with a ghost gun. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, isn't that horrible? That happened um, here in California, actually. Really? Yes. She and Dan had purchased the Glock 17 from the gun show together. Okay. So he knew about the gun. When asked where the slide and barrel were that she had purchased from eBay, she said, who knows? (laughs) That's a great answer. (laughs) Who knows? No idea. Nancy also saying that her van was a popular car at the time. Now, I couldn't find any number of Toyota Siennas registered in Portland, Oregon in 2018. I just know there's a lot for sale right now, though. Can I say something? Yes. Okay. Yes, they're popular, but they're popular in a certain part of the population. (laughs) That is Asian women in Los Angeles, mostly in Garden Grove. Drive Toyota Sienna. Very specific. Orange County. If you're driving down the freeway and you see a Toyota Sienna, you pull up a little bit faster and pass it and look over. It's an Asian woman driving slow in the fast lane in a Toyota Sienna. That is my. Totally inappropriate <laughs> stereotype that's 100% true. But what about Portland, Oregon? I don't know. Yeah. Chunky little white ladies driving around in their Toyota it's Sienna? It's possible, but I can tell you right now, most of them are in LA and they are, <laughs> they're little Asian women driving them on the freeway. It's really funny. Yeah. And they are usually gray. Yes, yeah. they are great. Yeah, I, I know. That is 100% true. Yeah. Oh, they're so cute. Great or white. They like white. Now, Nancy did not have to explain the blog essays. Those were inadmissible in court since they had been written and published over seven years before the murder. Okay. And this is the judge's statement about the essays. Any minimal value of an article written that long ago is substantially outweighed by the danger of unfair prejudice and confusion of the issues. All right. Yeah. That's safe. Yeah, I get get it. it. Yeah, I get it. But here's where she lost me. Here is where Nancy lost me. If she would have just shut her mouth, it might have been different. That's why I say women are way better at murdering their husbands than husbands are at murdering their wives. But we talk. Because women are smart enough to get away with it, but then they'll do something stupid. Yeah. They'll talk. Yeah. That's all we got to do sometimes. Shh, just just don't say anything. Yes. Just quiet. But That's why I tell our kids. Just shh. But you, mm-hmm. but you can't. No. Women can't, can't do that. They'll explode. 
Up until this point, I had my doubts about Nancy's guilt. There was like 25% of me that was like, eh, wait a minute, I got to look at this a little bit more. But then she testified that she had no recollection of the morning's events from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m., that she was now suffering from shock-induced retrograde amnesia. Gone. I don't believe in anything that has four words to describe the name. Nope. I was gone. Nancy, you lost me. And that's where you lost the jury. Right there. Nancy said that that could have been her driving around in her van, but that it was just coincidence that she was in the area her husband had just happened to be killed in. It was pure coincidence that she was there. But unfortunately, she doesn't remember, so she can't confirm confirm or deny. Right. That she could have been going to get Starbucks, which she spent over $1,000 a year on. That's it? It's not bad. You don't think that's bad? No. Oh, my gosh. If you go every every day, 365 days a year, mm-hmm. what's th- you spend $3. So you can't get any specialty drinks. No specialty. You right. get a black coffee for $275. It's 1000 bucks a year. And she, I think every she was day. getting the specialty stuff. Okay. Well, anyways, that's a waste of money. $1,000 a year when you're living paycheck to paycheck and can't even make your mortgage and you're spending $1,000 a year. That's ridiculous. But what if that Starbucks helps you get through your day or poop Um, regularly? Well, I mean, I understand the pooping. Right? So, I mean, what's two or three dollars a day? (laughs) Okay, well, let me finish. Okay, please do. Okay, so she, she thinks she goes to Starbucks and then driving aimlessly around town thinking about her next novel, but that she never would have murdered Dan. She drives around aimlessly... To think about her next novel? Yeah, she said she would do that. She would get yeah. lost in thinking about her next novel, and she would just drive around. Oh, like, God. that wasn't a rare thing for her to do. Okay. But that she never would have murdered Dan. Of course not. But where's the CCTV footage of her getting Starbucks? There mm-hmm. are cameras all over those establishments. So I take it they didn't have it. They didn't have it. All right. So she didn't go get her Starbucks. So she lied. Maybe she went to Dutch Brothers. I don't know. After seven weeks of trial, the case went to the jury. The seven women and five men spent eight hours deliberating. On May 25th, 2022, Nancy was found guilty of second-degree murder. She was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years. So second-degree instead of first-degree because they can't actually put the weapon in her hand. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. You're getting so good at this, Daniel. I'm so proud of you. A murder? Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to read a little part of Dan's son's victim statement because I think it's important. Oh, gosh. Okay. You are a monster, and I'm ashamed that I have to admit to my children that people like you walk among us undetected. Damn. You, You lived in the shadow of a great human being. You opted to lie, cheat, steal, defraud, and ultimately kill the man that was your biggest fan. You were, to borrow from your catalog, the wrong wife. Boom! Nice. I like like what he did there. Oh, that was great. (sighs) Big fan Dan. Nancy will be eligible for parole when she is 92 years old. With her sedentary lifestyle and diabetes, I don't yeah, see her making it to 92. No yeah, that's not good. Yeah. 
Um, so I have a fun fact. I've kind of talked about it just a little bit. Oh, good. I've read a couple of her books. I went to look at her bio on our Kindle app, and it showed that I'd already downloaded some a few years ago. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you accidentally read some I, of her material. I have. Now, I can't really remember because they all kind of mix together. Those kind of books all kind of mix together. So it's kind of like a Hallmark Christmas movie. Wait, wait, They're wait. all exactly wait. the same. Wait. So someone, this might be a stupid question, but. So someone that is in prison for murder still gets to keep their published books on yes. Amazon? They, you don't yes. think that they would be like, uh, yeah, um, we're actually not going to um, let you have your stuff here because you're a convicted murderer in prison. Yeah, and most of them are free with your Kindle Unlimited. But okay, there but, were a couple that no, were like two ninety nine and $1.99. They still get royalties. It's very small. Yeah, so she's still getting money off of her books. Huh. She's probably writing them in prison. Yeah. I would if I were her. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, Daniel, what did you think of my case? That's fascinating that she thought of the replacement barrel and slide for the Glock. Right. And then... Well, allegedly. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. And then allegedly mysteriously lost it and said, gosh, I have no idea where it went. If she actually did it, she is one of the most brilliant criminals Except she got caught. Not really. She got caught and got second well, degree I know, and she's going to die in prison. That so. was brilliant. Yeah, but. That was really smart. No? Yeah, it was. Okay. It was. She just stupid. Okay, if it wasn't her, then who? The homeless guy. <laughs> the poor homeless guy? That no, I don't there? know. I yeah. don't know who. It would have to be somebody who knew him. And he wasn't having an affair. There wasn't anything like that going on. He was just a likable guy who was teaching other people how to cook. So this is one of the rare cases where he actually had no reason to be killed. Absolutely none. So a lot of them, you start to feel a little bit of sympathy, you know, to the woman whose, say, husband cheated on her and with her, whatever, you know, I'm saying. And it's like, yeah, he kind of deserved it, but she or shouldn't she. have murdered him. Or she. You're right. But this yeah. guy didn't do anything wrong. No, he's just a cool guy. It's like, oh, gosh. Cool guy Dan, who now is missing out on his life with his grandchildren and his son and retirement. All of those awesome meals that now can no longer be enjoyed. Yeah. All the mushrooms. Right. A lot of yeah. mushrooms. You got to be careful picking mushrooms. You pick the wrong one and drop dead. Yeah. You only pick it once. Yeah. <laughs> it's two things you got to be careful about. And that's picking mushrooms and picking your nose. <laughs> Jeez. This was actually my most requested case from our listeners. Oh, really? Yes. Mm -hmm. oh, and I think yeah. it was because of the title, How to Murder Your Husband. Fair enough. So I did it. You're welcome. Unfortunately, this probably gave a lot of people a lot of ideas. Oh, shoot. Right? Don't blame me. No, no. Just You're just the delivery person. My information on this case came from every article imaginable. There's probably 100 articles. There's a book titled Nancy Brophy, Romance Author and Killer. There is also a Dateline episode, and I found the denial of bail court documents. Nice. Which is where I got a majority of my information from. And just so there's no confusion, about 80% of the cases I've covered 
My main source of information and facts come from some sort of court documentation, whether that's actually the trial transcripts or appeal records or even bail denial hearings. Um, I even pay out of pocket for some of them sometimes because they're not always free. Wait, this is costing us money? It actually is. And Damn it. that leads me into my next segment. If you'd like to support the show, please go check out our Patreon. <laughs> Yes, please do. Because I do have to buy court documents on a regular basis. Oh, God. I didn't know that. I, I honestly didn't know that. That I, mean, I had to buy yeah. court documents? Yeah, I bought quite just... a lot. I've I've also paid to be part of different newspapers. Oh, that's <laughs> or true. Or a subscription to newspapers. Yeah. Even some streaming like, services that certain like documentaries don't come on unless you're paying for yeah, them. Yeah, I've paid for those. That's true. Okay, so, so I th- I'm just saying that because... I've actually had some people kind of question where I get my information from, and I am not going to just get my information from one thing. So I shouldn't have to explain myself, but after over a year of doing this, for some reason, people are still doubting how I do this. So suck on that, nerd. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this. This was a great case. I'm really glad I got to dive deep into this and really learn what actually happened. Yeah. And I feel bad for Dan and for his family. And we just hope and pray that justice was served. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's going to die in prison. Absolutely. Miserable. <laughs> Riding her smut in her nine, in her 80s. Well, 70s now, but 80s. Yeah. In her blue jumpsuit. Ugh. She's wearing a blue jumpsuit now, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Blue is the new you. As opposed to oranges and new black. Never mind. (laughs) Be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. And divorce is always the better option. They should have just gotten divorced. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.